Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. If you have missed the last three weeks, I want to encourage you some part of what we're going to share this morning will make a lot more sense in the context of the journey that we have been on over the last three weeks. So we've been on a series called Little Foxes, and it is from the scripture that talks about catch the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. You know, one of the things that pastors said to us over the last three weeks was that little foxes, they don't always look dangerous. In fact, they seem safe. So, you know, so we talked about idolatry, you know, some things that we don't consider that have replaced God in our hearts. And then the week after that, we talked about anxiety and worry. So if you really trust God, you know, or do you really trust God if you live in worry and you are anxious all the time? And last week, Pastor touched a lot of nerves. He talked about unforgiveness oh my god you know as he was preaching right let me let me tell you my answer. as he was preaching i was sat there and in my mind you know he was preaching i was, like, I was feeling this message and, and then um, pastor talked about the fact that peter was welcomed back into the fold right you know even though he denied jesus face to face and in my mind i was thinking oh I, and i felt the holy spirit saying to me that Forgiveness is so encompassing that even if Judas did not kill himself, he would be welcome back into the fold. That's how deep that forgiveness. So I was, you know, I was enjoying myself. I was sitting down. Then I got home. Somebody that I thought I had forgiven. Honestly, I, I genuinely thought I'd forgiven that person or released them. And, you know, I was confident. And then they messaged me. I was like, Jesus. So I've never been so excited to reply that message because all that was playing in my mind was how pastor said, attack, attack. I can't get over that. He said any time he feels that he's, somebody offended him or there's any form of strife, he just goes, attack, attack, like the enemy is about to attack. What a revelation. And, you know, I, I really pray. And for, for those that have not listened to that, please do and listen. And I want to emphasize that, you know, for those of us that are still processing, releasing people, we are praying for you. And I'm not saying that in, a, in, a, in any tone. We are genuinely praying for you that no matter the hurt that you have experienced, the Lord will help you to be healed completely in the mighty name of Jesus. You will be healed in Jesus' name. And the word that came through on Thursday when we were praying is that it is possible you know, Pastor talked about forgiveness is divine, and I want you to know that it is possible to forgive, it is possible to be healed. And my prayer as we wrap up this series is that we will be empowered by the grace of God to catch all of the little foxes we've discussed and the ones that we didn't even discuss in the mighty name of Jesus. So this is the last part of uh, the sermon and I really want to encourage everyone listening and those listening online or subsequently is I want to encourage you to listen to what is about to come out today not with a typical church mind of condemnation. The advantage of the fact that we have the Holy Spirit 
And, you know, the scripture I said earlier where the Bible talks about the word of God is a lamp unto our faith. I want us to kind of imagine that as in our walk of faith, God is beaming a light and drawing out everything that we need to understand on our path. Sometimes when he does that, it is not comfortable to hear, but it is not coming from a place of condemnation. It is not coming from a place of God is punishing us. That is not the intention. God is beaming light onto our path to show us areas that we can develop that will make our work better and that will make us more useful to him in the mighty name of Jesus. So I want to encourage you with that today. So, and, and the other thing is I want to ensure, and I want to assure you, rather, that God is rooting for you. So what I mean by that is you are taking your walk of faith, he is beaming a, the light of his word on your path, but he is also rooting for you to yield to the instructions. He is not saying, oh, I'll see if this boy will do it. No, no, no. He's, he's, he's beaming that light and, you know, you know like how we are cheering somebody on to go, I know my son will do it. He has my power. He has my word. He, you know, all of those kind of things. And that is what I also want you to, to have in mind. Our main text today, I, I want to keep it short, but I will encourage you guys in your own study time, please do read the story in John chapter 9 and 1 Kings 22. Uh, so for our connect groups and stuff like that, John chapter 9, uh, those two stories are very fascinating stories and we'll draw some lessons uh, from there uh, today. So John 9, 13, um, I'm only reading 13 to 16, but it's quite a long chapter. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again. So they are asking the blind man here how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes. This is Jesus. He's saying, Jesus put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Then 16 says, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, so some of the Pharisees said that, and other Pharisees said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So, I want to paraphrase this chapter very quickly. What happened? Jesus met a blind man. He healed the blind man. The blind man went to the temple, or the Pharisees asked him and said, who healed you? He said, Jesus. And they had a problem with that. I don't know which part they had a problem with, but what I know from this story is they had a problem with Jesus. And we all know that in the text, a lot of the Pharisees did. So they were not focused. It was undeniable that the guy that was blind can see. So they had to look for how to poke holes into the story. Because first, they wanted to verify, is it really true he was blind and he saw? Okay, the neighbor said he was blind, he saw. They went to the parents of the guy. The parents said, we knew he was born blind. We knew him blind. And now we know that he can see. But he's an, he's an older guy. Go and ask him yourself. You know, so, but what they were trying to do in that story, essentially, is to look for faults and to come into some sort of agreement 
on why the story should not be straight. So essentially that was their objective and I summarized that story to introduce the title of the message today which is Willful Ignorance. Willful Ignorance. When we've talked about little foxes, we have talked about it in the context of weaknesses. You know, I don't find it easy to forgive. I like Manchester United more than I like Fellowship. I can't tell you the team I support, so that's why I keep saying Manchester United. I, I like to watch matches rather than fellowship. I like my money in my bank rather than giving. You know, all of the things that, you know, I, you know we can call them like weaknesses, right? And if you imagine this analogy where you have a boxer, a boxer, they have to have a lot of skills. You know, right hook, jab, all of those kind of things. Just think about it as different skills. One of the critical skills that boxers need to have is head movement. Because if you get hit on the head, you are more likely to just, you know, either get knocked out or be dizzy for a few seconds and then get totally knocked out. So no matter how good you are as a boxer, if head movement is a weakness, you have to do something about it. But you can also be so good that people don't get to get close to you enough to even know that that is a weakness in your sport. Right, I hope you're following this example of boxing. I tried to use tennis, but it didn't work. But anyway, head movement. Now, there is a feeling that that boxer can have. It's, it's in two ways. The boxer can go, I need to work on head movement. Or the boxer can go, I don't need to know much more about head movement because I've been doing so well so far. Are, are we in agreement with that? And that's a decision that the boxer uh, needs to make until one day he meets some guy who is equally as fast. And before you know it, somebody's blowing fan and like just like waking him up. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. So when we rely on our strengths and current results, sometimes it's difficult for us to make a decision to overcome some of the things that we've identified as little foxes. Now, as believers, people that trust God, people that pray to God, one of the things that is so easy to confuse is God's mercies for approval. You know, let me give you an example of what I mean. I'll use the boxer again. Every time he's been winning, he go, ah, if he's a Christian, say, God, I thank you. I won again today. But it did not mean that the head movement is still not a problem, right? Now, as believers, we do that to an extent, and we say it in, in comments like, but I get results. I don't come to church all the time, and I still get results. I still pass my exams. I don't really read the Bible, and, you know, when I pray, God answers my prayer. Do, do you get what? But it's so easy to just confuse that, that God is showing us his goodness and mercies, which are new every morning, it does not mean that it approves so those things that we do. And it's so confusing, especially when we are getting very great results. It only hits us when something that used to work did not work anymore. Be like, yeah, but I fasted, but I prayed. And then God is saying, no, you've been in that knowledge space for such a long time. My mercies are new every morning, and I'm now introducing my mercy in another way that you need to deal with that issue. Does, can you, do you 
Do you guys get what I'm talking about? Thank you. So what is willful ignorance? Willful ignorance is intentionally avoiding knowing something or digging deeper. A person who intentionally avoids learning something or exploring it further is showing willful ignorance. Comments like, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. Does that comment sound familiar? If you know what I'm talking about, I'm not saying if you do it. I'm just saying if you know what I'm talking about, please just say yes. Oh, glory to God. It's not just me. Because when, when this word dropped in my mind, I was like, yeah, Jesus. Like, I, I'm preaching to myself. What's going on? And um, I'll give you an example in practical terms. Uh, and I know the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart. For example, there was at least one person last week. As soon as they saw unforgiveness on the screen, they picked up their phone and said, because they did not want to hear, you know, like they did not want to hear any revelation that has to do with forgiveness. So, what do we do as Christians? We know that we should know, right? So, we know that we should know, but we know that if the, if I if I connect to what this pastor is saying, it will do some things in me that I don't want to do. So, no, I don't want, I just pick my phone. And as I say, it's not Netflix, but I'll just, you know, I'll just start zoning out and zoning out. And I pray for whoever that person is, you know, definitely listen to the sermon genuinely. And the Lord will do a work in you in Jesus' name. Let me use another personal experience. So, and I share this with people that are quite close to me. Uh, a number of years ago, there was a, a popular, not popular, it's not, popular is not a right phrase. There was a, there was a story that broke in a country in West Africa about somebody that wronged another person. That's how far I want to say. And that story broke two people who are, in my mind, believers. They both have accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. That's what I understand. And, you know, this thing just went viral. Everybody was talking about it, you know. And... I was, um, let's just say I was shocked at my own reaction. That's all I can say. Because um, a, another minister of God went to do an Instagram live. And he said, in my mind, I was like, let's, let's just send boys. Let's go and beat this person. Like, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like, I don't want to hear anything. Let's just go and deal with this person. This person has messed up. We need to deal. That's the first thing. And... So, I don't know why I even clicked on this Instagram live. And this minister said, when two believers wrong each other, there is a biblical process to deal with that. I was like, no, I don't. Like, in my, I don't even know why I clicked on it. But in my mind, I was like, just go off this Instagram. Go off this Instagram. Because I knew what he was going to say. To be fair, I didn't know in depth what he was going to say. But I knew enough that my body and my flesh did not want to entertain it anymore. So what did he read? I'm telling you my own experience. And I'm sure that the Holy Spirit will be reminding you of, you know, different things that we need to work on. So he read Galatians 6. Note my response earlier. He read Galatians 6, 1. He said, if, not him. Galatians. It was, it was on Instagram Live where he was saying, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, that is you who are responsive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, are to restore such a person. 
in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. So it's not a case of whether I thought I could be tempted as well. It's not a case of whether I was even feeling self-righteous. It's just a case of I felt like, let's not bring Bible into this. Let's not bring Bible into this matter. I, I don't know if you, okay, anyway, okay. You are nodding, so I know. So what was my own lesson at the time? One of the lessons I believe the Holy Spirit was teaching me was that there was no cancel culture in church. That was difficult for me to accept. And, um, and, and what the Holy Spirit was trying to teach me was that there is a biblical process of dealing with transgression when believers offend each other or wrong each other. And at that time, I was compelled to make a decision. It's either I want to understand what this biblical process is, or I would just wait to be triggered every time somebody does something that I felt, oh, that's disappointing. They shouldn't have done it. Um, to the glory of God, I, I did the needful in, in one order or the other. I asked questions. I studied. I changed my mind about that. I now have accepted, and God is still working on me, but I've accepted that there's no cancel culture in church, no matter what somebody does. I'm not saying that the law of the land will not do its job, but what I'm saying is in church, there's a biblical process to deal with that. And that was my lesson at the time. And what I've just shared with you guys now is a journey that we all have to go on for different things in our lives. It's a journey that we must go on. That is where growth is. If you decide that all you know now and all you decide not to learn more about is how you're going to live your life, then there will be areas where things will just be triggering you left, right, and center unnecessarily, or the enemy will just be playing on that thin line, uh, you know, taking advantage of that. So I go into talking about how does willful ignorance express itself? How does this express itself? It expresses itself in avoidance tactics and groupthink. So avoidance tactics is what the Pharisees did. Let me explain some parts of what I got to understand as I was reading John chapter 9. The guys that were tackling Jesus were custodians of all of the message that had to do with Jesus. So these guys, if you don't, in, this, in our day and age, there will be PhD holders, fellows, you know, the powers that be in the, in the message, the message of the scriptures. They were the ones that, tell, like, that told people, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. And the problem with them accepting, you know, it's, it's a very difficult situation because the problem with them accepting that the Messiah that they've been the custodian of this information that gave them power is now here meant that there was a power shift. Now, this is the truth. If they had done their custodial duty with uh, as church a mind as possible, they wouldn't have a problem. Because the message you've been carrying said, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming, Messiah. then Messiah is here, then you have a problem. What happened was that they had introduced loopholes into the system 
that meant that they had a system that worked for them. And the introduction of the truth messes up that system. So, that does not sound familiar at all. I have a system that I deal with people when they offend me. I don't talk to them. I, I, I claim and I say, I'm, proce- I'm processing it. Okay, anyway, I think it's just me like that. I say, I'm, I'm processing it. And the revelation of the fact that holding a malice is not scriptural is a truth that I will not be willing to accept. Guess because it messes up my system. You know how long I've had that? I've had that system since I was in boarding school. You know, like it's a long system that worked. Do you get what I mean? And the fact of the matter is that that was what was happening to the uh, Pharisees as well. And what happens is we develop a culture of instead of saying, I am doing what the word of God says and what the counsel of God is, the kind of things we say is, I'm doing what they said we should do in church. You know, there's a thing that you can do. Is say, they say we should do it, I'm doing it. They say we should do it, I'm doing it. But are you doing it like wholeheartedly or are you doing it hypocritically or are you doing it because it's the counsel of God? Like, why do you come to church? Why do you pray? And say, stand up, lift up holy hands. You know, I'm doing everything at the answer. And God is encouraging us, is cheering us on to move that language from I'm doing what they're asking us to do to I am doing what the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart to do through his word because it is the right thing to do and it is the God thing to do. You know, Pastor talked about the first one, when he talked about active rebellion, you know, active ongoing rebellion, he gave that example of that guy that was praying, I don't even remember, that guy that was kabashing upstairs and going out into the world and just doing whatever he wanted. Do you know how refined that system would have to be for you to go upstairs and pray and then go outside and do and commit crime essentially? Do you get what I mean? So there are systems that we have built that only a decision. You know the same way we said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord over my life and be my savior. That decision for salvation is fantastic. It's the best decision we will ever make. However, beyond that, there are small, small decisions that we will make every day, every time, as the revelation knowledge of God and as the word of God is opening up to us that says, you are still holding on to that. Drop it. But there's a decision that we also make to go, man, I don't want to know because if I know, uh, it's a problem. Challenge with that is in John 14, in John 14, 26, you know, we can live our whole lives in, you know, setting intentional limits for our knowledge. Say, I will not know past this point. It's a conscious decision, you know, and I'll give you examples as I go on. John 14, John 14, 16 says, this is talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The challenge there is that if we don't know, what would the Holy Spirit remind us of when that situation comes up? Because the Holy Spirit will remind you. you know, there's, this is not magic. If it's not there, 
it's not remembrance. Now, there's obviously word of knowledge where the Holy Spirit will tell you something that you don't know before. But when it comes to our work, it is layered on top of what we know that the Holy Spirit reminds us of. So, it is quite a dangerous system where we build, where we make conscious decisions to say, I don't want to know. It's a dangerous one. And the Pharisees, like I said, they knew the scriptures, but they also knew that responding like this would be a problem. And the Bible also emphasized the fact that it wasn't all the Pharisees that had this trait. You know, Paul was a Pharisee. The moment the revelation of the truth came to him, he changed his language. He said, Lord. That, it changed his language. But these guys, Paul did not, did not see Jesus um, in his first bodily form. Do you get what I mean? So these guys were seeing Jesus, you know, come out, come out of the temple. They, so for us, we're like, but he was there. You know, like, how can you guys miss it? But then we do that all the time. God is using other people to minister to us. You know, I'll talk about myself. There are some preachers that you avoid. Not because they teach error. I don't, okay. Not because they, but the truth is too much. And you're like, ah, not today. I am not ready. So, you know, those kind of little, little decisions that we set, you know, those boundaries. And I say that to say that willful ignorance also expresses itself as itching ears. Where you now change all of your sources of information to the one that confirm your biases. Let me give you an example. I said something earlier that if somebody offends me, I don't talk to them. Now, if I was able to, you know how people can bag plenty of scripture. If I say there's something scriptural about, you know, not voicing your opinion when you're in, you say, yes. Yes, that aligns. With, that's why I don't say anything. Yeah, because we are looking for sermons that confirm and, and, and deepen the system that we've built over time. And we see this story, and I, I really want to encourage us to read the, the story in First Kings. You know, in Second Timothy 4.3, you know, the Bible talks about the time will come when people will not tolerate a sound doctrine and accurate instructions. And they will choose, they will choose, and we, we do that. We do, you know, somebody invites you to a Discord group where you can discuss, you know, like deep things and ask your questions. Ah, no, I don't want to do it. Because you know that exposing yourself to that will mean, ah, these people. It's not like they are challenging your knowledge. They are just challenging your systems. They are challenging all of the things that you held through. So in First Kings, First Kings 22, this is another very interesting story. A king, Ahab, he, somebody bullied him, took land off him. He wanted to take it back, but those guys were stronger. So he said, let me join forces with Jehoshaphat, which like essentially separate nations, but one nation, two kings. Say, let me form an alliance, and I know I can take this land back. And he said that, he called all the prophets of the land, say, prophesy. Prophesy. And you, you should, like, I think this is important to emphasize that in the scriptures, a prophet is called a prophet because when they prophesy, what they say has to happen. If it doesn't happen, they, that person could be killed. 
You know, there's no there's no definition of a pro, no, it's not like nowadays. What I'm trying to say is that King Heab had created a system where he was able to have 400 prophets that were 100% aligned in error. 400 prophets. Do you know, it's, not, it's a big nation, but it's not, it's not that big that you will have 400 prophets and they line up. You prophesy. Say, go. Nothing will happen. Just go. You are fine. Go. The Lord is with you. Go. The angels of the Lord are surrounding. Everybody, nobody is saying anything. Herb was not, if you want to call it, if I can use this, Herb was not a believing king, if you call it. Jehoshaphat was a believing king. I don't know what Jehoshaphat must have seen in 400 prophets. He said, let's call a prophet of God. In a way, that's what he said. You know, kings, they can say it. And then Herb said, there's this guy. He never says anything that is nice about me. Everything he says is always opposite of... That's what God said. The guy said, I won't say to you what God has not said. So they called this prophet. And when it's, the person that went to call him said, Guy, 400 people have already said, don't mess up. So he came. He said, 400 people have said it. Go. The, so now, this, this is one of the points I'm trying to get out of this story. The king, Heab, knew... This story emphasized that he knew that those 400 prophets, even though they were saying everything that supported his system, were not seeing the truth. Because when Micah said, go, the Lord is with you, he said, no, 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 no. Tell me what God said. So that means that even when we go out to listen to unedifying sources, let me just put it that way, we know inside of ourselves that we are just, you know, we are just encouraging ourselves not in the Lord. So this prophet said, Micah said, listen, right? What I saw, I saw God allowing your prophets to be corrupted. So there's nothing they can tell you that is going to be what God has told them. So, you know, so he didn't prophesy, he, he prophesied two things. He said what happened. And said, this is how it happened, that 400 people are telling you the same thing. Then now said, if you go, he told him how his blood, everything, detail. He still went, and that thing happened. So discernment is critical. No matter how entrenched our systems are, I really pray to God that the Holy Spirit will do a work in us that breaks down all of those systems in Jesus' name. Discernment has become critical to standing and working with God in these days. The ability to use the word of God to dispel something that is almost true and true. There's a lot of things that are very, I don't know, they are so close to the truth, but they are not the truth. There are so, so many things that are very close to the message of the Bible, but it is not the message of the Bible. So discernment is critical. So, you know, if you layer this level of willful ignorance, we are not really helping ourselves. And why do we do it? Why do we do it? It's fear of responsibility. Fear is not of God. And I pray to God today, everything that is causing fear that the Lord will destroy in the mighty name of Jesus. The reality is that if I don't know better, 
nobody can ask me to do can, can ask me to do better and the other reason is loss of excuse you know if I know better, that means I will have to forgive easily. If I know better, that means I will have to give. If I know better, that means I will have to fellowship with people. If I know better, that means I will have to evangelize. If I know better, that means I have to pray regularly. And all of these things will help us in our growth. I'll give you an example for singles. You know, you know you've heard different sermons. Uh, do not be unequally yoked to the unbeliever. It's like, nah, man, I'm so... Ah. Pastor, it's all right for you. You are married. You have kids. Where will I see another fine guy like this? Do you get like this is the reality of the questions we ask. Like you know, you say it's easy for married people to say, "Don't be." You know how hard the market is now. We have to rely on social media and connecting apps because we can't. Everybody's wearing mask. Say, Pastor, please let me just hold this guy or this lady that I've seen. He comes to church. You, you, know, you know we do that. You see, it comes to church. But you know, anyway, let's not go there. That's the example. That's for somebody. They will go for it. The Lord will help you in Jesus' name. My encouragement is when you come to pastor and pastor asks you, is she a believer? Is he a believer? Make sure your yes has spine. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a lot of us are, have made decisions where we knew enough to go through a journey, but we decided not to. You know, some people don't pray in tongues or they don't pray in the spirit today just because of that. You know, sometimes you'll be like, oh, so many things happen in church. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, don't, I just want to come to church, you know, just get out. We do that, one, because some of the things we've heard, but just because they are fake prophets does not mean that prophecy is false. Just because people can make up speaking in tongues or it does not mean that the power in praying in the spirit suddenly disappears. You know, so we have to be careful that in, in, in um, elevating the systems that we have built, we are not just making up excuses that, you know, don't stand. You know, people say, ah, this is too deep. Let me leave it for pastor. Not a good idea. Oh, I, you know, just different examples. Some people, you know, especially with this pandemic, they are members of like 15 churches. You know, click on this, click on that, click on that. And then they, at the end of everything, they are just as confused as anything. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to as many sermons as you want, but the will of God is you are part of a local church. You are being discipled. You have a pastor. Who is your pastor? So we, we need to really call out all of the systems that we have built. And the reason why this is so important is that, you know, sometimes on Facebook or on all of this, you see a negative testimony. Someone say, I've been in church for X amount of years, but now I, I'm now a Janist or whatever religion. I say, what happened to you? Like, how did you go through all of this and you come out and the only decision you can make is that was not the way. What were you listening to? What were you doing? When they said pray, you know, were you, when they said pray in the spirit, when they, when they opened the Bible, were you opening the Bible? Because you can't go through all of that journey. You know, it's like somebody saying, I love Jesus, but I don't love him anymore. My, you didn't love him in the first place. Because if you love him, you will love his church. If you love him, you will love fellow believers. If you love him, you want to evangelize. If you love him, you will give. If you love him, you have a local church. 
Now, I'm not discount. I'm not saying, you know, if you don't do some of this, I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. What I'm trying to say is that it is possible to go through a journey of church and not have a walk with Jesus. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. You know, they get to a point where they know church so much, but they don't know God at all. And that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Wow, the time is going so fast. So, the following are some things that you should not be willfully ignorant of. I just want to call out some things. There's a lot of things, obviously. We all have different experiences. But these are the things that the Holy Spirit dropped in my mind that you should not be willfully ignorant of. The first one is the gospel. This is critical to eternity. If you know enough to be in a church, if you know enough to click on a video and join a service, don't be ignorant of the gospel. That is critical. The second one is don't be ignorant of the word of God. The packaging, if I can call it, the packaging of the gospel is the word of God. So in most of our cases, we are introduced to the gospel. We believe the gospel. We accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But then to understand what that salvation entails and how it came to be so that our conviction deepens, it's in the word of God. And, you know, it's, one, it's a major one not to be ignorant. The, second, the third one is prayer. The power and the purpose of prayer especially praying in the spirit i'll say this being a believer or being a matured believer has very little to do with time it has to do with how quickly are we yielding to all of the things the holy spirit is encouraging us to yield to so if i'm a believer and rebecca is a believer and let's say we accepted jesus as our lord and personal savior and we were yielding at the same rate, yeah, then you would expect that we would grow to an extent at the same rate. But if somebody has believed 20 years ago and their level of yielding is slow, it is possible that somebody that accepted Jesus at the beginning of this year has experienced more maturity as a believer than that person. So time has a factor because life experience and all of that, but it has very little to do. So what I'm talking about is not about how long you've been a Christian. It's about what is the Holy Spirit asking you to do in this season? What is the Holy what has the Holy Spirit been asking you to do for 10 years or 5 years or whatever and you've decided that you don't want to know? Um, so that is likely another the fourth one is the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't be willfully ignorant of the person of the Holy Spirit. Ask questions, study, learn. It is critical. The purpose of the church and the role of a believer in the church. Let it not be your story that you did church and you did not understand what church was for and why it is important that church and fellowshipping with believers is an important aspect of a believer. So I've started concluding now. God help me. When we say willful ignorance, there's also another extreme of it, which is where people are seeking knowledge at a very 
um, scary rate. Let me explain what I mean. You know when people don't have a local church, they don't have a pastor, and they rely on what they Google and what they hear and all of that, that's where that tends to happen. And before you know it, they start getting confused. And because they don't have somebody that they are discipling under, if I can say that, they don't have that feedback mechanism that say, is this error? Is this correct? Do you, do you get what I mean? So they just go on a tangent. So how can you tell if you're on a tangent? What I would say is that um, maturity and the yielding to the things that we'll know will lead to more consecration. You cannot know God more and give less. You cannot know God more and stop fellowshipping with his children. You cannot know God more. And every time you listen to a sermon, be like, error, error. You, you can't know God more. And, you know, what I mean by error and error is that, you know, all you hear, all, all you hear in your mind is every angle to criticize what is being said. You know, you cannot go deeper and oppose everything about the local church and in the local church. You cannot grow deeper. And when you hear that a pastor did something or something, you say, ah, let them cast that person. That can't be the first thing. You'll be like, ah, God, this is your child. Help him. You know? So as we go in this journey of you know, knowing what the Holy Spirit is wanting us to know, we also have to be very careful that um, we are doing it appropriately. And it is also very important to know that willful ignorance can morph to confusion. I mentioned that. It can morph to error. It can morph to unbelief. And one of the best ways of catching this little fox is to recognize that it is important to see and know what we are avoiding. It is so important. And it is important to commit to knowing and to learning and to discipleship. And finally, I would say that let Jesus be your source. Let the vine be your source. Don't be afraid of growing as a Christian. It is not the will of God that, you know, you say, do you want to accept Jesus as you love? And you say, yes. After that, ah, see you later. No, that's not, the will of God is that we grow. We should not be afraid of the responsibility that comes, um, you know, with growing. It, maturity or growing is not what makes us perfect before God. It is Jesus. It is only Jesus that makes us perfect before God. So we should not be afraid of saying, ah, I don't want to know more than that because if I know more than that, they start giving me the mic. No, no. You know, just go on that journey and the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. One of the things that I miss but that is emphasized on my mind to share is that when you notice these things, call them out. Call them out with believing friends. Say, you know, within your believing friends, say, this is the areas, this is the little fox that I've identified. Ask questions, ask pastor questions, you know, all of those things, they are very important. But um, I want to say this as well, that everything that we've been talking about over the last four weeks is been really for believers that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, and the Lord is helping them to be better, to grow. The biggest and the most costly willful ignorance, like I mentioned earlier, is 
refusing the message of the gospel. So I want to use this opportunity to encourage anyone who has heard the message of the gospel, knows the message of the gospel, but has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, uh, to do that today. The testimony of the blind man is similar to ours. We lived a whole life of ignorance. We were blind. But when we encountered Jesus, our story changed. So when they spoke to our friends and they spoke to our neighbors, they said, he used to be blind, but now he sees. When they go to our parents, they go, it was not like that. That guy used to be, used to be devil's brother, but now he is no longer like that. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.